Our gospel lesson for today, Baptism of Our Lord Sunday, comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, and with you I take delight. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. I've come to the realization that pretty much all of my movie references are from the 90s now. Have you guys noticed that? Well, guess what? 90s movie today. Dances with Wolves. Yeah, yeah, great movie, great movie. The whole premise for the movie, it's actually based on a book. I didn't know that until just a couple years ago. But the whole premise of the movie, it's set during the Civil War, kind of in that era. And there's a, a, a Union officer who is sent out to the Western Front. And when he arrives at this fort, that, or what's supposed to be a fort, he finds it deserted. He's the only person there, but that's his post, so he has to stay there. Well, this is out in the western plains somewhere. I'm not even exactly sure where it's supposed to be. But he comes to find out that there has been turmoil between the former soldiers who had been there and some of the, the Native American tribes that, that lived around there. When gradually as time goes on, he begins to interact with some of these, these Native tribes, and he begins to form a relationship really within one of, the, one of the tribes, one of the local tribes. And within that tribe is another character, a, a, a woman, who had been adopted by the tribe when she was a young girl. So she's white, and uh, just as he is, she used to speak English, but since she has lived among the Native Americans for so long, she has forgotten that language. But as they're trying to communicate, she comes in, there's a scene where she comes in and there's this, this interaction between our main character, who's played by Kevin Costner, and one of the, the Native Americans who's, who's trying to make a connection, and then this woman. Now, anyone who's ever tried to think in a different language, you know, it can be really, really spotty. If anyone's ever tried to learn a different language, maybe you've experienced this. I'm very much like this with Spanish. I can think of individual words and I can think of maybe little phrases, but I cannot string a whole a whole form of communication together. But that's the situation in this scene. And there's one moment that I really, really appreciate, and it seems kind of fitting today, where the, the, the other man wants to say that it is good that you are here. And he tells, he, he tells the woman in their language, okay, tell him it's good that, that she's here. And you can see on her face, she's just, she's trying to pull the words out of her deep memory. And it comes out very broken, but she kind of gets the point across, and she says, you hear good. Basic, 
but it gets the point across, right? And, and then, of course, he misunderstands. Yeah, thank you. I feel good. <laughs> That's a side note. It's good that you are here. It is good. That's the idea that I'm really kind of grabbing onto. Within our scripture lessons for today, not just the gospel story, but within all of our scripture lessons, we have a sort of larger overarching theme that centers around baptism. And we hear about the three different members of the Trinity and their place within it. The, the, we heard, of course, about the baptism of Jesus specifically, so Jesus the Son, that's our gospel story. The second lesson was talking about the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit that lies within baptism. And then our first lesson came out of Genesis. <clears throat> and we hear about the beginning of the story of creation. Now, many of you out there have heard me talk about that story before. I love that one so much. And it's what God says, the, the voice of God, or the description that God gives to every step of creation. What does God call everything? Good, okay. Now in Hebrew, what is it? Tov. Okay, clearly I've talked about that a few times. God calls it good. <laughs> Did I just hear a little guy say tov? Tov, yeah. And what I really love about it is how God is describing this thing that, that God has made. God makes light, literally speaking it into existence. The voice of the creator makes creation happen. And then God sees it, and God's like, good. Tuck that in the back of your minds. That's important. And let's talk about the baptism of Jesus. Whenever I encounter this story, it always gives me just a little bit of pause. Because when we think about the baptism that Jesus experienced, of course, it's the baptism that John the Baptist was, was doing. So maybe we've got to back up just ever so slightly. John the Baptist out in the wilderness, and he's calling all sorts of people to a baptism of the repentance of sins or baptism for the remission of sins, which sounds pretty similar to kind of the way that we understand things, but it's just a little bit different. And oftentimes, whenever I'm in conversation around this story with, with folks, the same question comes up. Well, why did Jesus have to be baptized? If Jesus is without sin, and we believe that he is, then why did he have to be baptized? That's a really big question that I don't have great answers to, but I'm going to try and sort of address that today. But the action of his baptism itself is interesting. Clearly, whatever is going on, when this old action that John is up to applies to Jesus, it's something different and it's something new. When Jesus is baptized, the heavens are literally ripped open. And I don't know how to describe what that looks like, but it sounds extreme. It sounds like it was a really, really big deal. And in this moment, the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove and lands upon Jesus so we have those two members of the Holy Trinity, and then we have that voice of God, that same voice that spoke creation into existence. This is my beloved son, the one in whom I take delight. I really, really love the claim that God the Father or God the Creator is placing upon Jesus. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved child, and I take delight I gravitated towards that last statement, in you I take delight. And I thought about that in terms of how God talks about creation back in Genesis. 
And then I went language nerd because you know that I do that. And I thought, we've got Hebrew and then we've got Greek. And do they mean the same thing? Does good, tov, mean the same thing as I delight in you? No, it doesn't. It's something different. But then I got to thinking about, well, let's see. I got to back up. I got ahead of myself. It happens sometimes. I went on a rabbit trail, and I'm like, ooh, that was fun, and now I got to back up. So let's think about creation. God call, makes it. God calls it good. God makes it. God calls it good. God makes it. God calls it good. God makes humanity and says, this is really good. But it's still not the same as I take delight in you. God calls humanity good, but whatever it is about Jesus is somehow different. Okay? Are, 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 are y'all with me? All right. Now, Jesus is baptized. Why? Jesus is without sin. Jesus has nothing to repent of, so why does Jesus need to be baptized? The only thing that I can think of is because God wanted to connect Jesus that much more in with humanity. We are all sinful, broken people. We try our best, but we always come up short. That's the reality that we live in. We live in a broken world, and we are part of that broken world. And this is not condemnation of humanity. This is just being honest about humanity. But in the baptism of Jesus, I believe God is giving us a gift in a way to connect with him somehow because we share in the same baptism. We receive the same gift of the Holy Spirit. And so maybe, just maybe, when we are baptized and God claims us as beloved child, we go from something that God calls good to something that God takes delight in. How's that feel? God delights in you. And God claims you as beloved child. That is a promise that's bigger than everything. It's, it overcomes the brokenness that's a part of us. It overcomes the brokenness that's a part of this world. And I don't know about you, but this week I needed to hear that. Because it happened again. And it happened in Iowa. And it happened at a high school that my cousin graduated from. And a sixth grader's dead. But that sixth grader is a beloved child of God. And so as much as it pains me, and hopefully all of us, to think about this, that child is experiencing the truth of that promise. And that's a good thing, even if it's a hard thing. And even if it's a bad thing, it's still a good thing. And sometimes that's all we can hold on to when these things happen. And when they happen again, and then they happen again, and then they happen again. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of it happening. But it does. But it's bigger than that even. The grace that God manifested through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that grace that God bestows upon every one of us in the claim that you are my beloved child and Jesus has overcome the brokenness that's a part of your life, that is all-encompassing. 
Sometimes I think we fail to realize how deep God's grace goes. Because here's the part that I'm going to say that aggravates me, but I believe it's true. God's grace is for that senior that pulled the gun out too. I don't want it to be, and that's my junk, but it is. Whatever God was doing through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it was overcoming all of this stuff, whether that makes us feel good or whether it seems unfair. Grace isn't fair. If it was, none of us would get it. But thanks be to God, the grace isn't fair. And that God has promised through Jesus, this is for you. It's for you when you don't feel like you're worthy of it. It's for you when you cry out to God, help me. It's for you in those hard moments. It's, hard, it's for you in the good moments. It's for you. And it's for me. And it's for our neighbors. And it's for everyone on the other side of the planet. God's grace is for everyone. And maybe hearing the voice of one of our littlest ones in here is the best thing that we can hear right now. God made this world good, not perfect. It's told. But the promise is that ultimately, out there in the unknown future, our existence held precious through the blood of Jesus promises us that we will be held in the arms of God. And that all the junk that we cannot make sense of will be over. It will be done. It's here now, and it's hard, and it's rough. But this isn't the end. That is and it's promised right here for you. Amen.